0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, registered dietitian.
1: And I'm Sophie Bertrand, registered nutritionist, and we are the authors of the Forking Wellness book and obviously the Forking Wellness Podcast.
0: Each week we sit down and we discuss all things health and wellness from debunking diet myths to nutrition information, lifestyle factors, etc.
1: Stick with us while we try and work out what the Fork Wellness really is.
0: I don't even know what we do.
1: This week's episode is sponsored by Dragonfly Tea, who are an independent family company based in Hampshire and rooted in five generations of tea craftsmanship. Dragonfly are leaders in tea innovation and all their tea bags are fully biodegradable. Dragonfly is just not about
0: the tea in your cup. It's about how it got there and the uplifting effect it has on your day-to-day life. Dragonfly tea creates wonderful daily moments so you can press pause and have time to reflect, refresh and move forward with new clarity and purpose. They care deeply about the purity and quality of their teas and are committed to traditional and sustainable methods of tea cultivation and processing. They actively support small-scale production and they deal directly with farmers. They support and believe in organic, GM-free farming.
1: Dragonfly travel the globe to source their award-winning teas from black teas to everyday green and rooibos teas. Each one leads you on a journey of reflections, discovery and taste. The idea that quality food and drink takes time and care both in the growing preparation and appreciation is at the heart of everything they do
0: their teas are absolutely delicious I highly recommend them so if you guys want to order your dragonfly tea simply go to www.dragonflytea.com and use code dragonfly20 at checkout to get 20% off your order
1: welcome back to the first episode of the Forking Wellness podcast in 2021
0: that is so exciting to say welcome to 2021 we're actually recording in 2021 because you know, know we are just, oh, so last minute about everything. Today's episode um is going to be all about diet culture and how diet culture has lied to us or what diet culture has lied to us about.
1: Yeah. And kind of the effect that it has on us and why it makes us so impossible to have a healthy relationship with food. And it's actually really interesting, Spari and I were just chatting before we jumped on and we kind of unknowingly grew up with it. I think there's so many messages out there now that tell us it exists and we didn't even know when we were growing up.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, thank God, you know, I mean, I think society has changed so much and now there's this whole anti-diet revolution that literally did not exist two, no, three no, years no. ago. So to think back to when we were 14, 15 and kind of the subconscious or like the innocuous diet messages that were we were surrounded by, It shapes the way we think and now we kind of have to point it out to ourselves and we're shocked at some of the things that we were just going through being like, oh my god, yeah, that would never be able to happen right now.
1: Yeah, I remember the only magazine headlines I remember because obviously like magazines were more of a thing back in the day because the internet wasn't as big. And every single cover and headline was this celebrity's lost this much weight, this celebrity's put on weight, this celebrity's at the beach in a bikini and they look quite chubby and like yeah. so terrible. But you don't, I didn't think anything of it. I would like, oh okay, <laughs> reporting people's weight even, loss.
0: <laughs> I would even buy those magazines, being like, I want to see the meal plan that they put in yeah. there, oh like, how same. Does person do it. And I'd be so intrigued by it. Um, yeah, I mean, that was that was a big part of my childhood where like I loved trashy magazines same and I mean I guess like when we're younger it's one what we hear from our parents mm-hmm. and you know we did a whole episode with my mom about like her um history with dieting and relationship with food and stuff and how I went to Weight Watchers with her at the right age of 14 um <laughs> so I definitely think that my history with diet culture started quite heavily at a young age and like me standing in front of a mirror at like 10 being like do I look fat in this
1: Mm. like
0: I didn't even know what I was saying but diet culture was so ingrained in my head that like the fact that I had to ask do I look fat in this had a connotation of oh fat is bad
1: yeah exactly
0: and that thin is good yeah I was 10 and I was able to interpret those messages it's I didn't really understand it but I was able to understand what society wanted from me
1: I am. Yeah, I actually just like typed in diet culture to, sorry, diet culture to Google, and this is what came up. Diet culture is a set of beliefs revolving around the idea that thin bodies are the most desirable, valuable, and healthy. In quotes, diet culture also conveys that eating a certain way is good or bad, and that a person's worth increases when eating healthy or living in a smaller body. That's not my words. That's something I've just Googled. But it's just crazy how it has literally taught us. And I feel as well in such a sneaky way that because if you say to someone, why is being in a smaller body better? Someone might actually be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I just believe that, you know. Yeah.
0: Or or their go to answer might be like, oh, it's better for our health. Oh, but it's if you actually you. look into the research one, that's not true um there's no kind of like magical weight everyone is so
1: different and we all have I was gonna say like how it's small is small. small you
0: know like <laughs> <exactly> how big <laughs> is a piece of string and yeah. then also you know that being underweight is vastly more dangerous to our mm-hmm. health than being normal overweight obese yeah so definitely. you know it but we were never educated on that we were kind of seen as like that was glorified like Mary-Kate Olsen being
1: that yeah.
0: skinny, I remember there's a picture of her in a purple dress with like bones out of her I back that
1: on the um Hollywood on the Walk of Fame. And that was
0: glorified.
1: Oh, I the amount of times I saw that image of those two like bending down on their little star that they had. Yeah. Or, big star. <laughs> um yeah, I know what you mean. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> um and I just remember being like, Oh my god, they're amazing. They're so glamorous, they're so pretty, they're so thin. And yeah,
0: and if you were to put that someone next to someone in a much larger body, I think everyone would assume that the larger body person is more unhealthy, but actually she was the more unhealthy one. I mean, like, I can't make that statement because I actually don't know who I'm comparing it to, but that's just like a, yeah, no, just, um, theoretically. yeah, <laughs> theoretic, but you know, that is so dangerous to be that ill and it's actually not something to glorify. That's actually a mental health disorder and we shouldn't be, you know, aspiring to that. That's Mm -hmm. such a serious and troubling and terrible disease. Um, Yet that was what we looked up to when we were younger.
1: A 100%. It really was what I looked up to, which is just so sad and terrifying. But there's nothing to say that, you know, you can look at someone in whatever a normal size body might be to you, they might be adopting seriously restrictive behaviors have a really unhealthy relationship with food binging restricting yo-yo dieting you can't possibly look at that normal size person and be like oh they're they're super healthy because they're in you know a normal slash small size body
0: and I think that goes for everybody because people in larger bodies could be really struggling with disordered eating and restricting and stuff like that but you might not see it because it's not as visible because we're taught that that looks different Mm -hmm. and I hear a lot of stories about oh no one believed me that I had these disordered eating patterns stories. I didn't yeah I didn't and I, I worked with a client for like two years um and you know battling disordered eating her parents didn't believe her because she didn't fit the normal kind of criteria for someone who when we think has an eating disorder or disordered eating patterns um because she didn't look that skeletal as we're taught mm-hmm. to associate that with. So, yeah, you really, well, yeah, the whole thing is just, like, you can't tell what's going on just by looking at someone's body. Um, and then also, I don't know why, we've always just, yeah, society just really has taught us that, like, thin is better.
1: But let's talk about how they've taught us that, because... <laughs> Some of the stuff that TV got away with back in the day that, you, again, we did not even think about. Like, let's take um, one of the most famous sitcoms, Friends, that everyone loves for good reason. It's hilarious. Like, you know, I still watch it now. But, like, they would make fun of Fat Monica. And the scene that I really remember is when Brad Pitt was playing Will from their high school Mm. and he had lost a load of weight and they were sat at the Thanksgiving table and he was offered yams slash sweet potatoes and he wasn't allowed them he was like no if I have them I'm going to put on weight again what horrendous
0: messaging yeah okay that's really sad especially because like we don't really see that in a lot of males Mm -hmm. and you know I think that's I just think it's so crazy because one yams or sweet potatoes don't correlate with weight gain so that's that whole fear of like (laughs) nutritious Well, that's kind of one of the lies that diet culture has taught us that, like, starch is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that could definitely be, like, one of the top lies that diet culture has taught us. And then we see that through multiple lenses of the media via Will Brad Pitt from Friends. And then the other thing, just going back to the Fat Monica thing, it wasn't even that she was, like, fat. It was that, like, she was fat and she was a loser. Like, those two were intertwined. Yeah. And it was it's that connotation she that like stop
1: eating and that's why she was fat. And that right. was all it was. You know? And she just
0: had no willpower. Yeah. <laughs> which if you want to look into that more, please buy our book because we have a whole chapter on like what the fork is willpower. I know we did an episode on it as well, but we also discuss it in depth in the book. Um, But yeah, because and you see this so often in all the TV shows, it's like no one could be bigger. They have to be like the bigger funny or bigger mean bully like. Mm-hmm. there's always like a negative thing or no one could just be the main character in a bigger body they have to be like the fat funny friend
1: yeah
0: which shows you that like or what taught us at a young age that like if you are overweight you're always going to be left on the side yeah you're and never you can't be
1: like it. beautiful and admired and intelligent and graceful if you're fat Exactly. Um, and even just like
0: in the Barbie dolls that we got when we were younger, I mean, now they do such a good job at having like a mix of different body ranges and a mix of different races and sizes. And, you know, now I just think that like we're too educated. Mm-hmm. But those, those Barbie dolls with the big boobs, the small waist, like it it's genetically
1: day, impossible for
0: anyone on the planet to look like that. Anyone except for, you know, supermodels of plastic surgery so yeah, yeah it, genetically impossible to have it naturally mm-hmm. 100% yet that was what we were taught was like typical woman
1: yeah like beautiful elegant you know long blonde hair teeny yeah. tiny waist nice perky bum <laughs> yeah. and big boobs and yeah. yeah just so
0: so unrealistic and we were just fed all of those things at such a young age and it really did shape you know so much in My One of my favorite movies growing up was Shallow Hal. I
1: loved that movie. I don't
0: even know if I can say it's a good movie now because the messaging is just like, oh, I feel uncomfortable about it. But like the movie itself, like I loved it. I still like would love to watch it, but like I can understand now the faults with it. But it was the fact that for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, what's his name? Jack Black. I love Uh, Jack
1: Black as well. I think he's
0: hilarious. Me too. Um, so Jack Black had this like spell put on him from this like guru and he started seeing people for who they actually are, not for what they physically look like. So, you know, people who are unconventionally or non they weren't standard to like beauty. beauty. Mm. He saw them for like their inner beauty
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: whole message of the movie was that you shouldn't judge people on their outwards appearance. You should judge them on their inward appearance. And, you know, you're beautiful on the inside and that's all that counts. And that is such a good message. But the way that they depicted it. I was going
1: to say, the way they did it, I remember they were at dinner and she was basically, you know, very, very overweight. But he was seeing her as this actually like a Barbie doll. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and she ordered like everything off the menu. And he was like, oh, wow, like, where would you put it all? And again, it's like just making out, oh, she's big because she eats a lot. Yeah, exactly. Or like the
0: fact that you would say to someone, like, where do you put it all? Like, <laughs> <fuck> off. <laughs> I've actually had people
1: say that to me before. And yeah, it's
0: just like, what what a comment. Like, uh, 100%. It's such a loaded comment. There's so much, like they're not saying what they really mean by that they're they're insinuating other things when people say that where do you put it all
1: I just feel like any i probably because of the line of work I'm in now but any comment around food and weight is an absolute no-go do not comment on what I'm eating ever
0: it should literally (laughs) be like abolished illegal it should be illegal 100% fine as a yeah um For sure. But yeah, so the way that they did it was she was a very, very large um, woman in a a much larger body and the way that's how everyone in the world saw her. But how he saw her, how Jack Black saw her was this like tall-legged Gwyneth Paltrow. And then it just shows that like the whole concept was that he wouldn't have fallen in love with her because she was Mm. so big. And the only reason that he did was because she was thin and blonde and beautiful. Yeah. And the I, I, it's just so terrible because one, people who are in larger bodies are beautiful and they are deserving of love just as anyone else. But the way that they portrayed those two, like the way they juxtaposed the woman who is larger to the woman who is tiny, and then how everyone was so shocked mm. that he could possibly love her yeah. and her only. The only thing that they were saying, "Oh, how could you love her?" Not because she volunteered with children and whatever she was in the Peace Corps and she was doing all these amazing things, but just genuinely because she was in a larger body.
1: Yeah, really, really messed up. And um, that movie could be made today. I think that would be just a huge uproar if that was a hundred percent. And even I don't, I, don't know if you watched it in. And Marika, Bridget Jones. Did you have that movie?
0: Yeah, love Bridget yeah.
1: Jones. Love Bridget Jones. Is I still, to this day, like, I actually watched Same. one of the movies the other night. I want she's a such a normal size. So like, normal. And they portray her as
0: this, like, just, like, I don't know the word for it, but it's, like, schlump. Like, I feel like that's, Yeah, like, like, like a
1: slob. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, she's just, like, a frump. That's what I meant.
1: <laughs> a frump. But, like, she's, she's a very, very normal looking yeah. person so normal like whatever normal might be you know there's no definition of normal but she is definitely not but she represents a good portion of healthy
0: yes like that's what I mean by normal like yeah many people who look like her are living exceedingly healthy lives yeah and there's nothing wrong with that
1: yeah but they make out that she's on this like constant weight loss journey and so she should be because you know she's a bit larger than she should be and she won't get a husband that way yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely, you know, I think the biggest lie that diet culture has told us is that you have to be thin to be happy, to be successful. And to, to be, be admired
1: and respected. Yes,
0: to be loved.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And what that actually creates for so many people is, you know, them not being able to love themselves and having... Yeah you know self-doubt and self-hate and going through this you know a horrible torturous mental cycle of dieting and restriction and just terrible Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so movies and tv shows were definitely up there with the sneaky messaging um and then we talked about the magazines as well but what about like actual food messages because i think when we were growing up as well diets were so I mean they were everywhere yeah like literally everywhere yeah but I there grew up so thinking that ones. like you should just be on a diet to be healthy
0: yeah and so I mean this is in our book as well we kind of go through the diets throughout the decades and kind of have they change and like I guess my biggest takeaway from that whole section and all that research is that like nutrition is so personal mm. and it's so unique to us and the science has changed so much, but so many of our thinkings are based off really old, outdated studies. And that actually now it's so hard to tell what's best for one person, because it's really based on genetics, their unique gut microbiome, like there's just their environment, their lifestyle, and we just can't make those sweeping statements anymore. And, you know, I think we're coming to terms with that. And there is no one way, one right way to be, you know, one right way to eat. Mm. um but just looking through those I mean there are some fucked up forked up um I was gonna
1: say so many of those diets though were not created with the intention of health it was solely how how can one lose weight quickly they were all
0: about weight there was one I didn't include in the book we can post a picture of it on the forking wellness um Instagram page because it was this ad that I found where it, someone was selling these like insulated body suits and you wear them and it increases your like your your internal temperature basically you burning more energy to cool yourself down but it was like literally wearing like I, like uh, I'm trying like an inflatable like a pool inflatable suit Do you know what I mean? And it just, like, So comfortable. (laughs) Thermogenesis. Yeah. So comfortable. And it was, like, these these pants. They're, like, inflatable pants. They're, like, Bermuda short inflatable pants. I have to find the ad. Um, It is so messed up. But, yeah, I didn't include it because I didn't have rights to post that picture in the book. Um, So
1: but we've got all the others
0: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. but yeah there's so many others but that one just I remember not like being oh, can't include it um because there was no source um
1: but, but messages I, anyway. that are so out there and so damaging and so severe and like just yeah just so bizarre become so normal do you yeah. know what I mean like I think one of the diets was the sleep, sleeping beauty diet or something where you literally sleep if you're hungry so that you don't eat like what the fuck? like yeah it's and outrageous. then that even like
0: in in um so that was like taking place around the 70s and also on the rise of like um Ambien and other kind of like sleep narcotics and it basically like encouraged people to take unprescribed sleeping pills to go to sleep so they would not eat
1: but that also teaches us that feeling hungry is bad And actually feeling hungry is good because it's your body telling you, oh, Hey, we're low on energy again. Do you mind talking us up? I think actually that is
0: one. I might actually say that that might be one of the top biggest lies. The diet culture has taught us. I Mm -hmm. speak about that all the time, but feeling hungry is natural. We need to do it to survive. Like
1: I was going to say, if you're, if you've been dieting for so long that you no longer feel hungry, that's a really bad sign. And you need to do something about that.
0: Yeah, exactly. But you know, we feel thirsty, we drink water. Yeah. No one says, oh, I shouldn't drink
1: water. You <laughs> like, know? you need a way, you go for yeah. a wee.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like, there are all these kind of cues that we have. Like, your hands feel dry, you moisturize them. You feel tired, you go to sleep. Like, yeah. those are just things that your body sends triggers or signals, and you respond to them accordingly. Yet, for some yeah. reason, the one that we need to survive we can't even trust ourselves to do because diet t- culture has demonized feeling hungry. And then if you feel hungry, you're not dieting enough. And if you're hungry and you eat, you're going to gain weight. And once you gain weight, you're not going to be successful, pretty admired, respected, etc. cetera, all the lies that diet culture has told us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I actually like, I mean, we can, we can wrap it up at the end with like a list of our like top five, like diet culture lies, but that's definitely one of them.
1: Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, because that's where all those kind of like those lollipops and sweets and pills come in, where it's like, oh, suppress your hunger. So we think it, re, yeah. So we think it's like really bad to feel hunger. It makes no sense at all.
0: Imagine we had like a sleep suppressant.
1: It's basically teaching us that we're not supposed to want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Like we literally cannot survive without food.
0: It is a survival mechanism that is like all animals, all primates. Like Mm -hmm. we literally have to eat to survive
1: yet. And because we like have to face food often, every day. Like it's not like if you have a problem with alcohol, you just cut alcohol out of your life. This is like you have to face food. So for someone that is suffering with a disordered relationship with food, it's horrendous because you there is no getting away from it there's no escaping it you have to face the fact that you need it but you're struggling so much psychologically with how to process that yeah exactly
0: yeah it is I think that's one of the reasons why um eating disorders are so difficult to um I'm not going to say difficult to recover from even though you know I don't know if that's like I shouldn't say that but that's why you need so much support. I think that's mm-hmm. maybe a better way to do, say yeah. it. Um, is that it's very hard to kind of tackle those disordered thoughts and those disordered feelings alone. One, because they're your thoughts. And two, because you come in contact with those conflicts so often. And that's why it's really so important to make sure that you have the right specialist care. hmm 100%. What are their um, lives? Should we go into maybe some more like food specific lies.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think at one point every, every type of food has been demonized, like right down to fruit. Yes, like, I was
0: just going to say that.
1: <laughs> like every single nutritious food out there has probably been demonized in some way. And you can find research to support it all. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to find let's say I don't know let's take green tea for example oh it's really high in antioxidants oh it you know antioxidants prevent cancer there you go green tea you know prevents prevents cancer cancer, and then I'm really healthy it's such mixed you know you're always going to find what you're looking for if you're trying to find an excuse to eat or not to eat something same with dairy dairy actually pisses me off so much because it's such a nutritious food group and if you don't eat it because of ethical reasons or sustainable reasons I completely you know respect that But from a a purely nutritional standpoint, I would always encourage you to include it in the diet if you can and want to. From a nutritional point of view,
0: yeah, yeah, it's been,
1: yeah, yeah, it's been linked to bad skin, bad digestion, increased risk of cancer, um, just so many things. And for some, for a very small percentage of people, it might cause you to flare up, you know, skin wise. So maybe don't include it in your diet. But so many people jump on that, and they're like, oh it's not healthy
0: yeah and then the worst is when those people judge others for doing it and being like oh I know more than you and you shouldn't do that that's mm-hmm. what I really hate and we spoke about this in another podcast there's like nothing worse than like someone with a little bit of nutrition knowledge who thinks they know everything know. <laughs> um but yeah the dairy I mean you could you could do it with everything you could do it with coffee with mm-hmm. caffeine There's so much research out there to say that actually people who consume moderate amounts of caffeine live longer and have Mm -hmm. decreased risk of cardiovascular disease compared to those who don't. And you'll also find research that, you know, well, it's in mice, but that, you know, caffeine creates arrhythmia, so irregular heartbeats, which can be dangerous. Um, for cardiovascular risk and stuff like that. You can find research to support your agenda. You just have to look critically at the studies. Who's funding them? What kind of studies? Are they observational? Are they cross-functional? You know, there's so much variation. But to the average person, which I completely understand, like we've went to years and years of education to be understand, to look at things the way that we do. But for the Mm -hmm. average person, you know, they might not have that education. And it's very easy to just believe the words because you know oh this is a journal study this must be true and yeah. actually there's so much more that goes into it and you really have to dig it with a fine tooth comb comb it with a fine tooth yeah
1: comb. one of uh, go through it with a fine tooth comb yeah. but one of my like, one of my biggest lessons in both my degrees um undergraduate and postgraduate was like the emphasis on critical analysis like if you want to be science-based you have to be able to do that yeah which yeah. is what we do But like you said, if you haven't been through that education, you won't even think to do that. You'll you'll read it and you'll believe it.
0: And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, look, everyone's chosen their career path for a reason. But then again, it is up to us to help people understand that. So that's kind of like what we're here to do. But yeah, I think back to your point, you can find research saying that. All fat is bad, and we need to eat a low-fat diet. You can find research saying that actually saturated fat isn't linked to cardiovascular disease, and that you know poly and mono unsaturated fats are integral for our overall health. And you can also find you know studies that say a low-fat diet is better for you. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: you can literally find anything to support your research, um, or any research to support your opinion or what you want to find out. And I think that goes back to the other point that I was making that everyone is so unique and
1: I was just about to bring that up again we are
0: never all going to be eating the same way to achieve our own personal maximum health potential it's impossible
1: if me and you so I I know that you're very healthy you know whatever healthy means um and I I believe I'm healthy in my own body and in my own way if we swapped lifestyle diets for a week we would both be so like moody and not like a loving life and it would just be unenjoyable because 100% yeah and I think that also like that's
0: that's actually very unique because I think Mark and I recently had this conversation where he's like I'm just gonna eat what you eat like I'm done he said I'm done trying to like um figure out like he's on his own health journey as well and then basically what he's just said is whatever you're having for your dinner just make enough for the both of us which Jesus, if you've been that's listening.
1: quite brave of him to say to
0: be yeah. honest <laughs> I say. if you've been listening for a while you know that's quite a big deal <laughs> and as great as that is for me I'm like almost afraid and I'm almost like changing what I'm eating because I wanted to suit him a bit more because oh, if yeah. I actually ate what I wanted to eat, eat and made portions for him he wouldn't like it yeah. So I'm I'm kind of having to meet him halfway and being like, you know what, I know you'll like this. I'm not going to put a chickpea lentil chopped vegetable salad in front of him with feta cheese because I know he'll spit it out because he hates feta cheese. Mm. But like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's not Actually, one just... way. Yeah, there's not one right way to do it. And I think that when we all come to terms with that and the marketing can change from the diet industries everyone will just be a bit better off
1: yeah definitely I mean me and Ash and I eat very very differently but we've, we've actually both been on our own separate health journeys and then together as well um we actually did an episode with Ash where he talked about that but I just I you know his favorite meal is like fish mash and greens I I would eat it if it was put in front of me but that just wouldn't ever be something that I'd want for dinner you know same I would never
0: crave <laughs> mash ever
1: never like I rather
0: f- have like an actual potato or even same. like french fries
1: yeah or just like sweet potato or like grains or something it's just not my preferred yeah.
0: carbohydrate <laughs> same actually
1: um
0: I never really liked mashed potatoes no
1: I know it it's like
0: my least favorite way to enjoy a potato same, actually but I love potatoes like yeah. love right. all
1: types of potatoes like crispy except. new potatoes are the best yum But anyway, my point was that, like, that's his that's the way he likes to enjoy his carbohydrate in some meals. So he can have that. And I just accept now that we eat very differently. But he has a very balanced diet. It's just very different to my version of a balanced diet.
0: Or just like the fact that you love a sweet breakfast and I love a savory breakfast. Yeah. One is not better than the other. Mm -hmm. You can't even compare meals to meals because we know that health is not representative of a meal. It's representative of every single action that contributes to your health. So what are you eating in a week? What are you eating in a month? What exercise are you doing? What's your sleep like? What's your stress like? How's your hydration? And where's your overall mental health? Like
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we can never just look at a meal and be like that person's healthy.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. You just summed up that little version of health very nicely. (laughs) It's
0: like I've been doing it for years. Um,
1: um, but yeah, I think that maybe
0: one of the lies the diet culture has told us is there's only one way to be healthy yeah, or maybe that you that have food, to follow
1: rules to be healthy as well.
0: Yeah. Or that you can only achieve health through restriction, f- controlling your food
1: mm-hmm.
0: where I know that you're, you're a big advocate and so am I, but I think that you practice this like truly, is that like you're a big advocate that like chocolate is makes you happy and therefore it should be included in your overall healthy lifestyle which 100% it should and I feel that way about pretzels (laughs) (laughs) which don't
1: get enough justice in the world I just love how much you love pretzels
0: (laughs) I just I just grew up in a pretzel family like all shapes all sizes soft pretzels hard pretzels pretzel rods like sourdough big pretzel twists that you had to get in the box if anyone is yeah. from America and you understand that you should DM me. Um but <laughs> no we can, <laughs> we can be friends. Um but here in the UK there are no justice for pretzels. There's no, like one no.
1: shape. And however we have a res- like a dessert recipe in a book. It's like a sweet and savory dessert and I is one of, it's probably one of my favorite desserts in the book actually. And I was like, thank you, Barry, for bringing in the pretzel to fucking yeah. wellness. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I feel like that actual recipe um is a representation of you and I in a in recipe. One.
1: Oh,
0: 100%. It like, because we do have such eating, different eating habits. Yeah. Um, and that one kind of just like sums it up. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah so justice for pretzels but yeah so I I I mean like I love 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 pretzels they make me happy they're part of my routine I've been having them every day since I was like literally it was my snack in my lunchbox like when I was younger and to me that that is part of my overall healthy lifestyle just like chocolate is yours I'm not Mm -hmm. a massive chocolate person Um, but you know we to say that oh you can't have chocolate to be healthy or you have to have chocolate to be healthy. You can't have pretzels to be mm-hmm. healthy. You have to have pretzels to be healthy. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, completely.
0: Or even, sorry, those might not be the best examples Anyways, Um, But even just like, oh, you have to have carrots to be healthy. No, you don't. You can hate carrots yeah. they'll be healthy.
1: I think where we all go wrong is that we're so afraid to let our guard down and let those rules go that we've been taught. Because that's the only way you're going to find out what works for you. Yeah. You have to be able to be willing to be flexible and be like, okay, what actual foods are making me feel good right now?
0: 100%. And if you dig deeper into that, being like, why do you feel like that? Why can't you allow yourself to be that vulnerable? It will always relate back to because I will gain weight. And society has told me that weight gain is bad. And it goes Mm -hmm. back to the original thing that we were saying, that the diet industry has taught us that, if you are bigger, you will be unhappy, unloved, unsuccessful, unrespected. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you ask anyone why, why are you afraid to eat that? It will always, you can like trace it back. You um, can go
1: back, yeah. Or You maybe, might need to dig a bit deep, but you will, it will become clear that that has been ingrained. It will be something that's been ingrained in you, whether or not it's something your grandparents told you when you were little or something you read in a magazine. like
0: Or something they, some they some got bullied about. Like, yeah. You know, like it will always go back to that, and that is like the ultimate lie that society has told us that you that you have to be in a smaller body, and you don't. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. And you absolutely and
0: don't.
1: No, a hundred percent, you don't. And just the whole way through this conversation, I've just been like, thank God for our book because it there's just so much in there, isn't there, that just helps yeah. you actually break down and really pick apart your relationship with food where things might have stemmed from like there's just so much isn't it I'm just so yeah. happy we got the opportunity to write it like so if you are struggling I really re- we really believe it will help
0: and I think it just goes back to there being oops sorry I just snapped my um the band on my cup of tea um there's so many facets of health and there's so many facets of wellness using quotes like what the fork is wellness um and I think actually through writing the book, we kind of really refined our thoughts and our opinions because until we actually had to go down and sit down and actually put pen to paper and being like, what do we believe and what's the research that we have to back up? It is really confusing and there's so Mm -hmm. many different elements and it's really, really easy to like leave one little piece out of the puzzle. Yeah. And actually when you put it all together and you have it all laid out there in front of you. Um, It's just like a nice visual representation, um, and I I think that's often lost.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it it becomes more complicated than it needs to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. So a little plug, shameless plug, please buy our book (laughs) out soon, um, end of Jan, um, and if you're in America, you can... You were allowed to get it on amazon because they went rogue and released it but we've actually sold out on amazon in america Ooh. so we will um i don't, actually don't know when it'll be back in stock we got to talk to you the can publisher. get it on barnes
1: and noble though right in america yeah, you can get it in barnes and yeah. Noble. Um,
0: so and then in that. the
1: uk it will be out on the 21st of january so super soon so for anyone that's pre-ordered one thank you so much and two you will be receiving it very soon and if you haven't please order It's amazing, even if you just want it for the recipes, because the recipes are incredible. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they are, definitely. Okay, so should we, I mean, I feel like we, there's probably more that we didn't touch on, like, especially, like, when it comes to the specific foods, like, we spoke about any food has been demonized, and you can find research for anything. But, like, I think the big things are, like, fat is bad, carbs are bad, sugar is bad, fruit's bad. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. And I
1: think, I mean, we could even do a part two on this episode because we could literally spend so long going through all the different foods and the food groups and why they're like not so bad as you think they were and the certain nutrient profiles. But I think that would just take too long if we start at this point. (laughs) Totally. I think. What's your biggest takeaway from this episode? Um. I mean. The fact that we've been told or taught that hunger is bad really gets me. And do you know what? When I when I was recovering from my disordered relationship with food, and I remember waking up in the morning and starting to feel hungry, and I was like, oh, like this is awful. Like my body's actually asking for food. And but there were there was no kind of positive Instagram accounts like there are now, or messages out there saying, oh no, actually that's good. I, I yeah. I, even though I was in recovery, I still believed that was bad. So for anyone listening who has been trying to suppress their hunger or actually doesn't even feel hunger anymore, you want those signals. Yeah.
0: You want your body to be able to function not how it how it's intended to. Yeah.
1: And be able to communicate with you.
0: Yeah. Because you need to be able to listen to your body. And you can't listen to it if it's not sending the right signals. Yeah. Sending the wrong signals. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think for me, the biggest thing is that diet culture has it's really really fucked up but it really has just told us that if you're thin and beautiful that's all you should want out of life and then everything else will fall into place and that's not true it so
1: could not be farther from the truth
0: exactly and I think that's like the the beauty ideal that diet culture kind of has told us that we need to aspire to The amount of pain and suffering and just terrible things that we endure on the way to get there to when we get there to realize that it's all not hyped up what it is. And then if we actually just were ourselves and did the things that we enjoyed and, you know, prioritized health without restriction and sacrifice, Mm -hmm. you will be happy, you will be healthy and you will have everything that you want and need and nowhere is that message ever displayed. I mean, now I think that you'll you'll get that more. Like we're more likely to have that now. But I mean every Disney princess is the picture perfect of mm-hmm. beauty. Silky hair, tiny waist. <laughs> exactly. Um always has Half always extent. gets the man. Like yeah. <laughs> I just I just think that like that equation doesn't equal health, happiness, respect success anything like that and I think the sooner that we can all kind of tear that on like that reality away because it's it's not real then everyone will be better off
1: mentally 100 percent. very good note to finish on
0: yeah, and I hope that was, like, a good first episode of 2021. I'm glad that, like, we didn't do the stereotypical, like, what are you planning for the year, New Year's resolutions? Because mm-hmm. if you listen to our episode last year, we did a whole episode on, like, why the fork do we hate New Year's resolutions. So definitely like, go back and listen to that if you feel a bit, like, triggered by all the kind of, like, content out there at the yeah. moment. Um, but, yeah, I th- I'm think i really excited for 2021. Um, not like not putting any pressure on it just excited yeah same
1: same i mean I, I you know there's a few reasons why but like i i haven't put pressure on it to be a good year because that's what i did in 2020 and it definitely <laughs> didn't turn out how i thought it would um but i'm excited for things to change and move forward me too um and yeah we will um see you next week thanks guys Bye.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Forking Wellness podcast. As always, please rate, review and subscribe.
1: And share with your friends and family or anyone that you think this episode might be helpful to. It really does help us get seen in the charts.
0: Please go follow us on Instagram at Forking Wellness and pre-order our book either on amazon.co.uk or barnesandnobles.com.